Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to the Sports Cage for our friends at Andrew Sherrod Limited. Thank you very much for... Or to them for getting on board. Thank you for getting on board. The sports cage train. Rough Rider season wrapped up in dismal fashion in Calgary. They got hammered 36-10 by the Stamps. We'll hear from head coach Craig Dickinson, who will join us as usual at 5.05. One thing you can say about him is he doesn't shirk any responsibilities, especially that when he showed up all year round at 5.05. So we'll talk to him about uh, the season that was, what he thinks of his future, and uh, going forward, maybe even get some thoughts on the playoffs coming up here on the weekend. Uh, all right. Also, what a good weekend it was. Last night, the Regina Pats win 7-3 over the uh, Tri-City Americans. Five points from Connor Bedard. Two goals and three assists. He continues to roll. The PFC Championship going to the Regina Thunder for the second time in team history as they won... uh, 39-21 39-21 over the Saskatoon Hilltops, continuing their perfect season at 10-0. We'll hear in a little bit from Scott McCauley and before the end of the show from Ryland Likert, who had a great game on the ground for the Regina Thunder. Uh, the Rams lost a game that didn't affect them in the standings going up or down, but it did help the Manitoba Bisons get into the playoffs. They take on the U of S Huskies in one of the Can West semifinals on Saturday. We'll talk to their head coach, Brian Doby, before... The end of the show, uh, ask him about his thoughts on the Rams. He was one of the coaches that picked the Rams to be dead last in the conference, and they're not. They're hosting a playoff game coming up here Saturday against UBC. The Chicago Bears have traded linebacker Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for a second and fifth round draft pick in 2023, according to Adam Schefter. Tonight, Cleveland hosts Cincinnati. Tom Brady and Giselle have officially split. Tom says his top priority still remains the tarnishing of his once great football legacy. He's going to continue to tarnish that. I think the dude stayed just a tad, just a tad too long. NHL tonight. We've got L.A. at St. Louis, Detroit on the road in Buffalo, and Washington at Carolina. The Atlanta Hawks are in Toronto to take on the Toronto Raptors. All right, let us get to... um, our rewind. This is what we do every after every rider game, and this happens to be the last game of the season. We take you back to McMahon Stadium, and here's a a walk down audio memory lane. Moral stationary lets it to bounce. Doesn't know exactly where it is. He is going to go after oh. it, and Grace got there. Cody Grace, the punter, and I think the Calgary Stampeders will get the football. Moral looked like he didn't know where the ball was. Here's a shotgun snap for Mayor. He's going to throw over the middle. It's caught by Reggie Bagleton. 
to Alford. Takes the kick near side hash at his 20. Angling to his right across the 35. Trying to get the edge. He does 40, 45, 50. Oh, uh, past the 50 of Calgary and out of bounds at the Saskatchewan bench. Mario Alford. He's going to take it. Stutter step outside the tackle. Left side. 30, 35, 40, 45. Down the sidelines. He's on the run. 40, 30, 20. He's going to score. Tommy Stevens. Oh, my God. That is gross. On a third and one, he takes it all the way home for a touchdown of 85 yards. Get out of here. Hughes, the kick is on the way, and it slices through and good to the 41st field goal of the year by Brent Lothar. Puts the riders on the board. Here's Mayer, takes a shotgun snap. The rush off the edge by Hughes, and a sack by the riders. They're second in the game. Anthony Lanier, the second, is back. Takes the snap, hands it off to Mills. 34, runs over Beaulieu, and runs into the end zone for the touchdown. Hands it off to Mora. Mora puts his foot in the ground, cuts to the end zone. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Gamo. Oh, we got a Fine. rabbit on the field. And Fine's going to take off like a rabbit as a rabbit runs past Fine. Fine outside the 30 and runs out of bounds on the far side. And the rabbit has ran for more yards than the Rough Riders. And he is tearing up the turf well, on the, the far side. And he's going all the way up the tunnel. Here's a fake handoff by Tommy Stevens. Throwing to the right. It's caught and breaking a tackle. And scoring the touchdown is Jalen Philpott. Speaking of local guys... There you go. So that puts a wrap on the Riders' season, 36-10. to 10. Let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza and say hi to our good friend Jim Hobson, former president and CEO of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Before we get to that debacle of a season, Jim, how's your, how's your health? We know you're battling cancer. How's it going? It's going well. Um, had my 27th chemo treatment last Wednesday. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Had a great meeting with my oncologist team. Um, you know, I'm not out of the woods, but uh, yeah, I'm 19 months in and uh, doing well. Went to the Ram game on on the weekend, and uh, you know, so uh, no, we're 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 hanging in there and uh, happy to be here. I'll tell you that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you're a proud Regina Ram, aren't you? It doesn't matter if you played in the junior days or not. No, I am, and uh, I still follow them, of course. And uh, it's interesting. Here I am, a former Ram. I'm the president of, the, or the chair rather, of the uh, University of, of Saskatchewan Husky Athletic Board. So I find that an interesting. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's that that you, you're covering all bases, my friend. Hey, I yes. ha- I haven't seen a year where we had two quarterback sneaks go for long touchdowns. Now, I don't know how much you watched the CFL this year, given your health and everything like that, but BC got a long touchdown run from uh, from Nathan Rourke at about 55, 60 yards. And then, and then on the weekend, Tommy Stevens looked like Deion Sanders going up the left sideline for 85 yards. I, I don't remember that, Jim. Two in one year like that. I, uh, I agree. I uh, I watch the CFL a lot, not just the riders. I, I enjoy it still. And uh, the quarterback is six foot five, two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty pounds, and we didn't have anybody that could catch him. I thought this is unbelievable. You know. Yeah, no, it was crazy. It was definitely a crazy situation there. Um, okay, so Jim, uh, I tell you what, where, what would you, what would be going through your head right now if you're sitting in Craig Reynolds' chair? You have sat in that chair. Yes. Well, 
Um, a couple of comments. I was thinking about this, and uh, one is is the process. And uh, I know after a season like this, and, and I'm going to touch on this, uh, 2011, because right. we had a similar season. But, you know, the, the reaction, and I'm talking as a fan now, the reaction is blow it up, you know, like clean house, uh, we got to start over and, and so on. But, you know, you need to be rational. You need to be calm. You remember there is a process. And we talk about it starts at the top. And, and a lot of people assume that means Craig Reynolds. But the reality is that's the board. At the end of the day, Craig reports to the board. He is the only employee they're responsible for. So the board has to, first of all, look internally, look at themselves. What have they done? What could they have done? And then they have to meet with Craig and they have to listen to Craig and decide is he the guy? And once they make that decision, then you can move forward. Uh, you can't start firing people all over the organization without having a clear idea of, of what the plan is and where you're going. So I think, you know, that's that's one piece of, of advice going forward. And then I look back, I thought a lot about this, about 11, because, you know, it wasn't as bad as this year in terms of controversy, but we had a terrible year. I mean, we just came off of... Of, of four great years, maybe the four best years in Ryder history where we won the great cup, we're in two great cups. Uh, and here we go into 11 and uh, Kenny retires. And, and I made the decision to make Kenny the vice president of football. And in retrospect, probably not the best decision and not because Kenny wasn't a great man, but it didn't work out well, but we, we had lots of controversy during those wonderful four years with, Roy Shivers and Danny Barrett and Eric Tillman, but we had great years. Then in 11, we go one and seven, and Kenny makes the decision that we need to get rid of Greg Marshall and move on. And we ended up with five wins, which is worse than this year. So uh, not a good year, especially after the four great years we had. And when I sat down at the end of that year, looking at where we went or where we should go, rather, uh, a lot of pressure to, to blow it up, get rid of Brendan Tamman, get rid of, you know, uh, the, a lot of the people that were there and move on. But my assessment was that we still had talent on the team. We still had Darian Durant. We had good receivers. We had a pretty good D line. We were hurting on the old line. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. We had some holes on defense and I made the decision to keep Brendan as general manager and, and, and took some heat over that because, uh, of, of him being part of what happened in 11, but 12, we, we, and by the way, uh, in, in, t- in 11, Brendan wanted Corey as the head coach then, but he, he went with, with Greg because that's who Kenny wanted. And, uh, in 12, we got better and in 13, we won the great cup. So, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, that, that the cleaning house might not be what they decide to do. They'll have to make that decision, but you know, make a rational, uh, look at, you know, uh, what the options are, uh, and look at the body of work that we've had over the last uh, uh, three years. But uh, yeah, it's it's a tough job. Uh, Craig's in a in a in a heck of a slog right now, and and they're trying to deal with Great Cup, and they got to deal with yeah. So let me stop you, Jim, because you bring up some really good points. But the only difference 
is we're comparing apples and oranges in this sense. There was no great, it wasn't a great cup year in 2011. So, Correct. so, so with that in mind and the fact everybody, and, and, and you're to blame, Jim, you're to blame because you were running the ship when we won the great cup here on home turf. And you know, people, they become prisoners of the moment. If we are hosting the great cup, we're playing in it, right? Like that was the best night in team history, maybe arguably. I know you, you, yeah. you'll argue with me 66, but I was on the feel for that november 24th 2013 so it, it's kind of apples and oranges here and i feel like the lions want to be fed some meat because they spent a lot of money on great cup tickets and everything like that you make a great point i mean if it was a normal year and great cup was in calgary or another place it wouldn't be quite the same but you know uh the, the great thing is uh 13 will always be such a high point for us as an organization and mm-hmm. fans and we compare ourselves to that. And I know going into this year, I was no different. I, you know, couldn't wait to get my tickets for the Great Cup because I was optimistic and hopeful we were going to be in the Great Cup again. And that we had a team that had, you know, been first overall a couple of years ago and uh, been in the final and knocking on the door. And, and if we made the right moves, we should be in a position that we can be in the Great Cup. And, of course, not only are we not in the Great Cup, we ended up yeah. just... Uh, being a a, a, a fire, you know. <laughs> a, so, a Jim, so, so, yeah, no kidding. So, Jim, do you think being, if you're sitting in that chair and you're looking over this thing, can you, because it's one thing to say, okay, well, we got to blow it up, but that comes with a price tag. You got to pay a lot of contracts out. So that's money on that side. But on this side, if you don't do something, then you could lose. Like, I, I look at that crowd, that last crowd, that was quite a statement from Rider Nation about how they feel and they're upset. There wasn't a lot of people there, okay? I think we only had one official sellout this year. So, like, like when you're in that chair, Jim, do you, do you sometimes look at it and say, we have to, we do have to feed the lines. We're going to have to do something here. Well, obviously those, those kind of discussions and thoughts go through people's heads. I mean, this has been a, a, a terrible year. Um, now one of the things about being around for a long time and being a fan and everything is I remember so many of those years in the nineties and everybody was burning their tickets. You know, the old yep. I put two rider tickets on my windshield and I came back and there was four and, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, and a lot of truth, but, and I'm hearing that I got longtime friends and longtime fans saying I'm done, I'm finished. But you know, uh, as we get closer to the season, I think, there, yes, there will be some, drop off no doubt about that but you know we have fans who will say well i'm going to give them one more shot especially when they see what what the plan is going forward because we've been through this i mean man and then here we are again I, I i didn't think we'd be here this year that's for sure but we are so hopefully we get the uh the fan base back the key is if you start making decisions for the fans to, to appease them or appease any special interest group or whatever you want to sponsors or whoever, you're probably not going to make the right decision. So make a decision based on what's best to have a winning football team next year. I think we're in agreement though, Jim, maybe we're not. And I'm not saying, Hey, listen, I don't fire anybody on this show. That's not my job. And I, I don't want to do that, but I will say this. I said this at the end of the broadcast, you could put Tom Landry, Wally Buono, Bill Belichick, Hugh Campbell (laughs) from the Edmonton days, John Gregory, Ken Austin. You could put any one of those guys on that rider sideline and they wouldn't uh, have won any more than Craig Dickinson won because you can't win if you can't block. 
you make a great point. And it wasn't just uh, the blocking. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't seem to have good offensive schemes sometimes. You know, you you take your head as to what was going on out there. Uh, the old line, and you know, as as good a group of as a group, we have many good receivers, but they never gelled. Uh, Duke was 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 uh, a real disappointment this year. So yeah, the, the, when you look at the talent and and what, and what happened to our D line, that just we went from the best to the worst. And you know, I, I was embarrassed. Three hundred and some yards rushing, yeah. like so. You're right. I mean. Um, you know, Ken Austin would have had a heck of a time winning more than than the games we did win, and there were some winnable games there. But we, you know, we we squandered them. And uh, once that happened, of course, then it just went faster hey. and faster downhill. Hey, we're against the clock, but you're the you're the expert, man. That's why I had you on here. And and obviously, ah. chemo's made you funnier because you've had some good one liners here, buddy. Uh, but I gotta get I gotta ask you this: You've been there before, so you go into that room as Craig Reynolds, as Jim Hobson. They say, Jim, I don't like this. Craig, I don't like this. Like, is there a decision there where these guys say, "Listen, you're gonna have to make a decision on somebody"? You know, like how does this? How does the pro? You talked about process. Take the fans behind the veil a bit. How does the process work? Does the board say, Craig, I want you to do this, and you got to do this? Or how does that work? Well, the board, I had some great boards, and I can't tell you how much they supported me and, and the advice they offered, but the process was I would go in with my plan, and I would say, uh, this is the plan that I have. Uh, whether, you know, whether it was uh, uh, getting uh, Roy out of the organization or, or what we did in 11, and I would present what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, and they would decide. We, we support you, Jim, or we can't support you. And it's pretty obvious that they couldn't support me. Well, then they need to get a new CEO, and, and I understood that. And uh, it was the same in my school division days. Uh, you know, I'd make a recommendation, and and so really it comes down to you know Craig presenting what he feels will will work and the, how the board feels about that. Tinkering um, as I as I grew in the job, I learned that. There was a lot of people that could offer some good thoughts on 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 the organization, and I had some wonderful board members that were they were you know guys like Jeff Stusick and Roger Brandwold and on and on and on. But but so he'll Craig will listen. He will also also advise. And at the end of the day, then if they decide Craig's the guy, then go forward with your plan and make it happen. And mm-hmm. and that's what should and I'm sure will happen because. Uh, you can't just go. You can't start firing people willy nilly without a plan as to where you're going to go from there. And and you know, um, I, I don't like it, but but uh, Jones uh, in Edmonton made a good point the other day. They were handicapped this year because of all the payouts they had. They were short staffed, and 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 we don't want to put ourselves in that situation either. So whether you like it or not, that's that's something you have to consider, huh? Yeah, and you know, you raise a good point because I brought it up. I've been around not as long as you, Jim, but I've watched a lot of crappy football uh, in the 80s, in the 90s. The, your era was a great era, except for the blip in 2011. So when we have a coach and a GM that gets us to two Western finals, and we've, you know, this is the first time in four years we haven't hosted a playoff game. Dude, I grew up and only went to one home playoff game in 1988. So I've, I've lived it. So I'm not one of those guys that says, Fire everybody, but I also have a pulse on what's going on, and people are mad. Hey, it was great, Jim, talking to you, and I'll tell you what, man, I speak for everybody when I say I'm glad you're beating this thing, and I knew you could kick cancer's ass and keep doing it, okay? Well, we'll try, and uh, 
let's just keep supporting the team. And, and uh, it, it's been a hell of a year, but uh, we're going to come back. We know we will. Okay, thank you, man. Take care, man. Jim Hobson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, our clutch performance, and we'll also hear from Scott McCauley, who won the PFC Championship. That's right. This is the Sports Cage on 620. On second and eight. a little move 15 10 5 did he get there touchdown yeah derrick henry still the king after a slower start to the season he had 219 yards on 30 carries adding two touchdowns in the titans win over the houston texans he's our clutch performer for nick service in emerald park your local massey ferguson gleaner challenger rogator and fent dealer give them a call 781-1077 we'll get to a couple of your texts uh, keep them coming, 936-6262. What would you do? You're running the Rough Riders. How would you clean up this team going forward or fine-tune it? Or do you think it's a mess and you got to clean it all up, like the Exxon Valdez when they had the oil spill back in the day? That's like, what, early 2000s? Boy, that was a terrible uh, uh, comparison. Anyway, celebrating his 10th year of coaching junior football. He did it in his first year. He won the PFC Championship and... A Canadian Bowl, and he just helped his team go to 10-0 and and win their second PFC championship. Here's Scott McCauley with our own Blaine Wyland. Can you put the, put the words to describe today's victory? Just awesome. You know, like it's been an absolute battle this year. I feel like we had the hardest schedule playing the Rifles twice, the Huskies twice, the Hilltops twice, you know, before we get to the playoffs. And the Rifles are a hell of a team. And, you know, they played us hard in the, the semifinal. And then today playing the Hilltops, like it's it's not easy. I'm so proud of our guys and, and all these guys behind me too, like the scout team guys, just constantly giving our guys good looks. No one's pouting. They're just all working towards making something happen. Mental toughness, it seems like it's been on the play for you guys all season long today. Just talk about the ability to bounce back after giving up the first touchdown and then surviving a late charge a charge in the second half as well. Yeah, I mean, it gets it's tough. Like the Hilltops, they know how to make plays and they're, they're a hell of a football team, but I, we just felt like we had the horses and we just had to concentrate on ourselves and make sure we, we don't turn over the ball and, you know, like rely on our offensive line to run the ball and, you know, we knew we could also throw as well when we had to. Yeah, you have a lot of guys that are capable of providing a spark. It seems like today the spark was provided by Adam King's interception in the second quarter. I didn't hear you said that. Oh, sorry. I just said you could. Excuse me. It seems like you guys have a lot of guys who are capable of providing a spark on the play. It seems like today's spark was provided by Adam King's interception in the second quarter. Yeah, like we we got lots of guys. We talked to the guys all day about that. Like we don't need to rely on anybody. Like just everybody trying to be a hero. You know, play within the system, do their job, and be the hero. Yeah, Scott McCauley had a lot of heroes yesterday. His team wins the PFC Championship 39-21, and they'll host the Okanagan Sun in the Canadian Bowl. Goes down November 12th right here in town. Make sure you get out and support. I think they had a crowd of around 4,000 for that game yesterday. Very hearty crowd digging some PFC football. We'll get to some of your texts here. In fact, I'll get to one right now at 936-6262. Our text line powered by Capital GMC. Buick Cadillac at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Um, Jack from Fort Capel. Great call on Saturday. Ballsy, you and Luke made the season. Sure wasn't the Riders because they crapped the bed almost every time they took the field. A message to the board of directors. Clean house starting this week, and that includes Craig 
Reynolds. That's from uh, Jack in Fort Capel. Connie in Cook, uh, Cook's Creek. Give me three good things the Riders management did in the second half of the season to instill confidence. If this is a results-based business, you can't talk about the past. That's from Connie. So keep it coming. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. Your thoughts on the football team going forward and uh, how you would approach the off season. This is the spor- uh, sports cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited. On 620. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited. And uh, you want to text us, you can, 936-6262. It's our text line powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. You also can uh, get a hold of us on the Western Pizza Hotline by calling that number. Locally or one eight six six not seven six seven zero six twenty. That is our uh, hotline brought to you by Western Pizza. All our guests, as Jim Hobson did, and that's a great way to kick off the show. Some insight from a former president and CEO of this team. He's taking you through what maybe Craig Reynolds is going through right now. Um, yeah, and if you missed that interview, we'll have it in podcast form after the show is done with our good buddy Nick Katchmar posting everything after on our at Sports Cage on Twitter and Sports Cage on our Facebook page and anywhere you get your podcast. Western Pizza, you order a Western Pizza, ask for the Rough Riders sweet deal, and uh, you'll be in the running for a a football experience at Mosaic Stadium for a Rider game in a special suite. So it's a sweet Sweet experience from Western Pete's NFL yesterday, and we're waiting for Tyrone Poole to call us back. Two-time Super Bowl champ. He joins us every Monday at um, 6.35 Eastern time, which is 4.35 our time, and he is uh, probably going to call here in the next minute or so. Uh, Derek Henry, still the king after the slow start. Like I said, 219. Um, hold on a second here. Apparently he is... Uh, Going to call us here right away here, so get ready for it, Nick. Uh, Derek Henry, still the king. He had 219 yards on 30 carries and had two touchdowns, as it was the Tennessee Titans being the uh, the uh, Houston Texans by account of, I think it was uh, 18 to 15, if I'm not mistaken, but he had two touchdowns in that game. So nice win by the um Tennessee Titans. Christian McCaffrey, man, did that guy have a game. He threw a touchdown pass. He caught a touchdown pass. Uh, just had an outstanding, and he ran for a touchdown. So that guy had an outstanding game for the 49ers. They blew out the Rams. How about the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, they come up with a victory over the New York Giants. Geno Smith, 212 yards passing, two touchdowns. Uh, nothing flashy, but you don't have to be flashy. They're playing buttoned-up football. Kenneth Walker also uh, running hard yeah, for the um, Seattle Seahawks. John Ryan jokes, he wore nine for all those years in Seattle, never got a nickname. They're calling this guy K-9 in Seattle. Cowboys Micah Parsons, I'm a guy that picked him as defensive player of the year. Even ahead of Aaron Donald, uh, traveled 92 yards total distance on his 36-yard fumble recovery touchdown. Uh, and like I said, I picked him as my defensive player of the year, and I'm sticking to that. Okay, let's get to the phone lines and say hi on the Western Pizza Hotline. A two-time Super Bowl champ, original Carolina Panther, uh, Tyrone Poole. How are you, Tyrone? 
Hey, I'm doing great, Michael. How are you doing? Can you hear me pretty good? Am I coming through clear? Uh, trying to. It's a little bit. It's breaking up a little bit here. I'll tell you what. I'm going to hang up, let my producer call you back so we get a cleaner line because we do want to be able to hear you cleanly, okay? So we'll hang up and get a hold of Tyrone right away here. Tonight's uh, Monday Night Football game has the Cincinnati Bengals up against the Cleveland Browns. The uh, Bengals come in at 4-3. and three. The Browns have to win this game. They are 2-5. and five. They got to be within a puncher's chance of the playoffs when, what's his name comes back? Deshaun Watson, the guy who likes all those massages. So, yeah, Cleveland's got to win. And, hey, it's kind of appropriate. Two teams that sport the color orange on Halloween, the color of a pumpkin, go at it here tonight in Cleveland, and Cleveland doesn't get too many primetime games, so this should be a good one. Burrow's going to be without one of his weapons, though, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase out four to six weeks with that hip injury, so uh, let's see. Do we have him on the phone? Let's go to Tyrone on the phone. Hi, Tyrone. We're, we got you back here, man. Hopefully we can uh, get a clean signal now. Yes. Way yes, better. Yes, we should be crystal clear. Way better, man. Okay, Tyrone, uh, Derek Henry, still the king, man. 219 yards on 30 carries and two touchdowns. He reminds me of the old Flintstone cartoon. Remember when Fred went back to school and he was playing football and everybody's jumping on him trying to tackle? I don't know if you knew that or not or watched the ca- uh, cartoon, but that's what Derek Henry reminds me of when he plays. Yeah, Derrick Henry, of course, he's the bell cow for uh, the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, in this era of football, uh, you know, football is just a contact sport. Let's just face it, Michael, and everybody knows it's a contact sport. You know what worries me about Derrick Henry? Yes, he is the bell cow, but he has carried the ball an awful lot. I'm like, he's had season highs of 300 and. 78 carries. That's a lot of carries, man. Yeah. 303 carries in 2019, 378 in 2020. And at the halfway mark, so to speak, they play 17 games in the NFL, he's at 219. Now, mind you, last year, you know, he only played eight games. So what worries me is his durability. Now, I compare him to another back, uh, Emmitt Smith. Now, at the same time frame. I did a little bit of study, all right? You, you took me to school on this one here. Good. I went back, I, and I looked at Emmett Smith. Now, he's the leading Russian in the NFL, right? Yeah, that's right. So, six years, Emmett had 2,007 2, carries, all right? He basically, Emmett Smith played, uh, he started all his games, his rookie year, uh, he played uh, with 15 games out of 16 games he started. Came back his sophomore year, second year, 16 out of 16. And then went on 16. You know, he started. Yeah. He started and he played. Now, when you look at Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry basically came in and he did not have what you would consider a successful campaign. Uh, he actually uh, only played two out of 15 games his rookie year and then started uh, – two out of 16. But when I look at his carries over the last several years, uh, you know, injury last year, and he's had like over almost 1,800 carries in the last three years. So his durability, man, I know everybody loves to, you know, like you said, a Flintstone example, but myself being a former player, I'm always looking out and thinking about longevity, man, you know, life after sports. So I love to see Derrick run. I love the stiff arms, you know, when he just stiff arms people to the ground. And uh, But I just worry about the durability, man. It's just, 
you know, uh, I think if they had a quarterback, Tannehill, you know, if they could spread the wealth with the run and the pass, and I think that's why Emmitt Smith's durability was so long, because he had Troy Aikman, who could throw it to Michael Irvin, the triple, the triple uh, three, yep. so to speak. And, uh, but Derrick Henry, he is the bell cow. So I just worry about his durability, and they just handed the ball off to him an awful lot. Speaking of durability, Tyrone Poole, Christian McCaffrey hasn't been able to stay healthy, but I'll tell you what, that was a great trade by the 49ers. The thing about being in San Francisco is they don't need him to be everything like he was in Carolina. So I think that's going to work out well for him and the team. Yesterday, a touchdown pass, a rushing touchdown, and a beautiful receiver-like touchdown grab of nine yards. That was a great trade for the 49ers, in my opinion. Yeah, it it, it was. It was. And I got to say this to uh, everybody, you know, a little bit of history about myself and uh, Christian McCaffrey. Actually, my son took a picture with Christian when Christian was in uh, with the Carolina Panthers. We went to their training camp. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, my son took a picture with Christian. And also I played with his dad, Ed McCaffrey, when I was with the Broncos. Yeah, so, you know, when I think about Christian McCaffrey, uh, uh, you know, the 49ers all-purpose back now. He's an all-purpose back. He's doing it for the 49ers. Another running back that put on that 49ers uniform. Everybody probably know who I'm talking about. Played in the 80s, Roger Craig. Yeah. Roger Craig was that guy you could throw it, uh, he could run it, catch it. He was that all-purpose back. So I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he understands with the rules of the game, if you can have a back, and it's all about matchup, matchup difficulties. And Christian McCaffrey brings a heck of a matchup difference for anybody that covers him, a la Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. When they inserted Marshall Falk into that offense with the uh, St. Louis Rams at the time, man, he just put some octane to that offense, and they took off. So I see Chris McCaffrey doing the same thing here with the 49ers. Hey, what was it like to defend that Rams offense back in the day? Oh, man, I'm like, pick your poison. How do you want the red pill or the green pill? No matter what, you have to swallow one of them, and some, one of them is going to take you somewhere. Either stop the run or stop the pass. Either way, you're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be frustrating as a defender to, to you know to be in that situation, right? It's a nightmare, man. It's a nightmare for a defensive uh, coordinator. How do you stop? How do you stop him if you try to play for the pass? Marshall is going to run the ball. Okay, he's not that bruising back like we talk about Derrick Henry, but Marshall is a runner. He's a heck of a runner. Okay, uh, so if you're going to stop the run, then guess what? They're going to kill you with Isaac Bruce and Tory Tory Holt and Isaac McKean uh, in the uh, slot. And if you try to take away uh, uh, too much, they're going to slip Marshall Falk. Uh, out in the backfield, one-on-one with your linebacker. So, mm-hmm. pick your points. Hey, uh, Tyrone Poole, let's go back to Derrick Henry for a second. He's coming around the corner, and Tyrone Poole has to come up and make the tackle. What is going through your mind? Are you just closing your eyes and doing what you can do to stop him? No, now, now I, I, I appreciate you asking that question, Michael, because I've had an opportunity to tackle a back, one-on-one, a big back, Eddie George. Oh, yeah. Eddie George and, and, and Derrick Henry are probably similar runners, okay? And, yes, it's all about angles. It's all about angles. So a big guy, I know I'm not going to tackle a big guy up high, so I'm going to get low. It's kind of what they call gorilla 
warfare, guerrilla warfare. Yep. I got to take my strength and put it against his weakness. He's too big. He can't get down that low. I can get down real low. So I just shoot his legs out, wrap up, and then grab that other leg and timber. <laughs> That's great, man. Okay. Uh, I got to text that ties into my next point I want to get to, then we'll go to a break. You got to tip your cap to Pete Carroll. No one expected these Seahawks to be 6-2, and two, at least on paper. Carroll ignored the outside opinions about who his starting quarterback was going to be. He let Geno Smith be his guy, and Geno rewarded him again. Nothing spectacular. 212 yards, two touchdown passes. He's leading in passing percentage so far early in the year Geno Smith nearing the midway point uh, just your thoughts on what's going on there and Bill in Yorkton wants to know do you think the Seahawks are for real well you know when I look at the Seahawks and I look at the coaches I look at the players first and foremost these guys are professionals they are professionals and like the old movie and the old singing any given Sunday and the reason why one team who you would think would lose to a team that you're like, how did they lose to that team? Well, first and foremost, they all are talented. All 53 guys on that team is talented. It just, who has the mindset that on that day, that play, they're going to give their best effort. So I believe Pete Carroll, he's a, a happy-go-lucky uh, coach. You see him on the sideline chewing his gun on him. And, <laughs> and I think he's probably bitten his lip a couple of times <laughs> uh, uh, doing on the sideline. But, you know, he brings energy, and these guys are professionals. And, and let's face it, Geno Smith, he's been a starter in this league. Uh, his first year in the NFL, basically he threw for like uh, 3,000, over 3,000-some-odd yards, uh, finished with an 8-8 eight and eight, uh, record, started all 16 games. So these guys are professional. They just have to be put in the right environment and have that team chemistry, and they can win. So I think the Seattle Seahawks are for real as long as they continue to believe in one another. We'll be back with more in the two-time uh, Super Bowl champ Tyrone Poole here on the Sports Cage on 620. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Our sports sticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling where professional services guaranteed they'll treat you right. Give them a call, 781-2090 out there in Emerald Park. NFL game tonight, Monday Night Football. It is the Cleveland Browns hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. we got some NHL games, but none involving Canadian teams. Let's get right back out with Tyrone Poole because we have him for another six minutes or so. Tyrone, Monday Night Football tonight. Cleveland doesn't get too many primetime games. They're 2-5. and five. Cincinnati comes in at 4-3 and three with uh, cool Joe Burrow. Uh... I don't know, man. When you got a desperate team at two and five, like the Browns got to win, or it's almost next season for them already this early. As they like to say, it's getting uh, it's getting late early for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I got the Browns tonight in a bit of an upset because Jamar Chase is out. Yeah, you 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 would think that uh, with Jamar Chase being out. Uh, that's going to change the whole complexity of what the defensive coordinators do for the Browns against Cincinnati's um, uh, offense. But I've been around, and I think Joe Kuhn, Joe Burrow is a pretty nice quarterback. Uh, you know, he, he performed very well in the Super Bowl. Uh, every time I look at him uh, on television, he performs well. And I've had the opportunity to play with two other 
great quarterbacks that I thought were very cool as cucumbers, even though they may not have had their starters. And this is where we're going to find out how cool Joe Burrow is because Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, those guys, as long as they're pulling the trigger, as long as Joe Burrow is standing upright, Cincinnati Bengals offense still will be clicking. So uh, with Joe Burrow still being in there, I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they still going to have the same offensive game plan. It's just next man up. So somebody gets an opportunity on the grand stage called Monday Night Football to show that, hey, I deserve to be a starter as well. So it's going to be a fun game, but I think, uh, you know, the battle of Ohio, but I'm going with Cincinnati. All right. He played in the Super Bowl. I didn't, so maybe go with what Tyrone Poole has to say. <laughs> hey, Patriot, <laughs> Patriots win over the Jets, gives Bill Belichick 325 wins passing George Hallis. We talked about that. Second most wins as a head coach. He's behind Don Shula's record of 347, so he probably needs, well, he needs two seasons for sure. Number one, does Bill stick around to pass Shula? He does love the history of the game, but does that mean much to him? You know what? I think it does, and I want to be the first to say that I was a part of yeah. at least uh, uh, 38 of those uh, victories, which was my number to actually to think, it, think about it. Uh, I was part of 38 of those victories, and in those 38 victories, we won uh, back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, you know, like you said, Belichick, uh, he's at 325, so he needs at least 22 more victories uh, to tie Don Shula. They got nine games left in this season. I don't expect the Patriots to go 9-0. and uh, At best, I think they'll probably end up 5-4 uh, and four for the rest of the season. Um, that's just my pick. So that would put Bill Belichick at 330, and uh, he needs 17 more games. And like you said, uh, he's going to need at least two more seasons, but I'm going to say he's going to need at least three and a half seasons uh, because if Mac Jones doesn't step his game up, if Mac Jones does not come of age, then Bill is going to have to get to that 347 like a turtle. Yeah. He's going to have to win average <laughs> games uh, – for the rest of the next three years, at least five or six games. So um, it all depends on uh, Matt Jones, the starting quarterback. He doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. So, uh, But Bill will stick around to ask your, ask your question. I think Bill is a competitor, and Bill wants to go down as the best coach ever. And what a way to do it then to be the most winningest coach in the NFL. A.J. Brown, according to Next Gen Stats, Began, uh, he's the first player since 2018 to record three receiving touchdowns on go routes in a single game, meaning just go straight like a fly, like a straight streak down the field. How tough is it to, to cover that play? Talk about trying to cover that play. Well, you know, it's very tough. Uh, now, it depends. If you're in zone, it's easier. It's easier to cover it because you're playing a zone, okay? Cover three, uh, which you just got one-third of the field, okay? Uh, but when you're in man-to-man, that's what makes it difficult because when you're in man-to-man, you're watching as a defensive back all the keys that we're taught uh, when the ball is in route. So not only do you have to have the speed to run with these speedy receivers, but you got to have timing. You got to know when to turn around. You got to read the keys. When his arms go up, his eyes get big. And that's the most important thing a lot of people don't know. And any defensive backs that are listening to this show right now, look at the receiver's pupils. Look through that face mask and look at the eyes. When you see them eyes get big, that means the ball is coming in because that's how our eyes do. When an object is coming close to our face, 
the eyes get bigger, the focus. So turning, when to turn, the timing of turning, and then staying in phase. A lot of times when you see these defensive backs get beat on deep balls, they're out of phase. They're not able to be in position to where they can cleanly turn around and knock the ball down or pick the ball off. Usually they get behind and, bam, that quarterback in the NFL and definitely in the Canadian League, they are the reason why these offenses are as good. They can put that ball uh, in a, 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 a bucket. 50 yards away. They're just how accurate they are. So, you know, with those things, staying in phase and knowing when to turn and, you know, just reading your keys, it's very difficult, very difficult. That's why a lot of guys can't play defensive back, and that's why I think defensive back is the toughest position on the football field. 45 seconds or less. Who's your work that thing performance this past week, my friend? Well, my work that thing performance, and this is what work that thing means. Work that thing means that a player performed beyond expectations by giving extra effort to help the team compete on the field. So that's what work that thing means. And my work that thing player is from Miami, Tua Tonga Baloa. Tua went 29 for 36. That's a great completion record, okay? Yeah. To finish. For 382 yards and three touchdowns with a win versus the Detroit Lions. So, Tua, you are my man. Work that thing. Awesome, man. And I love the fact you work that thing every Monday with us. Where can they get a hold of your information, my friend, including if they want to get you as a public speaker? Uh, They can go to TyronePool38.com, TyronePool38.com. Awesome, buddy. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks for your time. All right, Michael. Thank you, man. Always a pleasure. Tyrone Poole, original Carolina Panther, two-time champ with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. We'll be back with more of the sports cage. On the other side, Coach Craig Dickinson. Yes, he's still the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll talk to him at 5.05 here on the sports cage on 6.20. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the Riders bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And we'll get to Coach Craig Dickinson in a minute. This portion of the show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. Our text line is powered by Capital GMC. Buick Cadillac, the corner of... uh, Rochdale and Pasqua, the number one GM dealership in the province. Couple of texts and keep them coming here. Uh, Mark and Regina, great context having Jim Hobson on and talking about 2011. We need improvement on the O and D line with a quarterback behind it that uh, doesn't uh, get scared. It doesn't need to be torn down or blown up. Didn't Tamman sign Picard and Labatt for 2012? And for those fans who demand a piece of meat after three home playoff games in four years, that's not true fans. True fans don't leave the game early or jump ship when the team takes a, a dip. Love the show. And this is Brian from Newdorf. And I've been saying this for a while. I've been saying this for a while. Listen, I don't pay the money like you guys do and girls do to go to the games and all your jerseys and stuff. So I'm not telling you how you should feel. But this, I agree with... I agree kind of what Brian's saying, because I've been saying it for a while. Michael, I think we should be very careful how we proceed in the future. The two-star franchises in the CFL, Winnipeg and Calgary, have one thing in common. They have consistency at the top, head coach, GM. As late as 2018, the call in Winnipeg was for changes. They stayed the course, picked up a washed-up quarterback, 
And now they're going for their third Grey Cup. Now, I wouldn't call Zach Kalaros washed up, but his future, not just in football, but in life, was very, very, very much in doubt. Winnipeg didn't even know what they were getting. But here's the difference between Winnipeg, where Winnipeg is, and where Saskatchewan is. Saskatchewan does not have a good enough offensive line. They do not have a good enough professional offensive line to compete. And I said it at the end of the broadcast. You put Craig Dickinson, Michael Ball, well, maybe not Michael Ball. He couldn't win even six games. You put Craig Dickinson, Wally Buono, Hugh Campbell from the 80s, uh, Don Matthews, you name it. You put him on that rider sideline, you wouldn't have got any more than six wins there because a quarterback can't complete passes if he's looking at the ceiling or the lights. And that's just the way that it is. And you can't win. You can, defense can help you win championships, but defense doesn't win you championships now. Above average quarterbacking, elite offensive line play, that's what wins you championships, and the Riders didn't get it, and that's why they went in the tank. Time now to join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza, and the coach Craig Dickinson joins us. So, coach, I guess my first question is, what is up with you and your future? Like, are you in limbo right now? Are there things that have to go on behind the scenes before you know if you're back? Because that's what everybody's asking me. Yeah, well, there's things going on right now, for sure. I know um, Jeremy and Craig Reynolds are meeting with the board. They might be meeting with them right now, for all I know. And I think they're still coming coming um, up with some decisions. I know there's there's been good meetings in the last two days between myself, Jeremy, and Craig Reynolds, and you, you know just kind of a, a state of the union sort of meeting. You know where where did we go wrong? Uh, can we fix it? What do we need to do better? You know, and pretty much everything on the table sort of thing. So it was really good meetings. So we were here last night till ten o'clock, and. Uh, but I think the board is still meeting, still deciding. I certainly hope to be back because I feel like there's a lot of work to be done. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what needs to be fixed. And I feel like uh, there's good people here still. So I'm uh, I'm hopeful to be back. I feel like this is the job for me. And I feel like uh, I can get this thing turned around along with the help, obviously, of Jeremy and Craig Reynolds and the rest of the people here. So we had... Um we had uh, Jim Hobson on. He's been in this situation before, 2011. He had to go to the board like Craig's having to go to the board. So Craig has to have his plan. When you're sitting in these meetings with with Jeremy and Craig, do you say, okay, here's what I did right, here's what I did wrong, here's my plan going forward, and then there's back and forth, and then I'm assuming Jeremy has his plan to Craig, and then Craig takes it there, and there's kind of a chain in the process, so to speak. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. I mean, it was a little more of a, a collaborative discussion. It wasn't a presentation necessarily because, you know, the reality is we played a game just a couple of days ago and we were still trying to win that game. So I wasn't I wasn't doing my homework on, on my job at that point. But there was a discussion on, you know, you know, what do we need to do better in terms of the locker room? What What do we need to do better in terms of personnel? What do we need to do better in terms of the coaching? And I had a, an opinion on all three. And uh, and so did Jeremy and Craig, and we just hashed it out. And, and uh, I believe we came to the con- consensus that, you know, even though it didn't go the way we wanted to this year, that there's a there's a plan that we do have an idea of how we can uh, turn this thing around. And more importantly, Michael, there's a work ethic and a want to. I mean, there's there's a strong desire. We feel like we owe it to the community, owe it to the uh, the province to do 
a better job next year, and we're all committed to work really hard to make that happen. Coach, I did a little digging on my own because um, uh, I've had you on all season long, uh, actually going on over a season now, and I've said you're the most accessible coach in North American professional sports, and I stand by that. But sometimes I think... uh, I think maybe the way I talk and the way you are on this show, we kind of paint a picture that you're kind of like, <laughs> if I can use this terminology, kind of like a Ned Flanders pushover type of guy. You know, <laughs> well, you know, I like everybody and everything's good, even though we're not having a great season. But I did a little digging with players behind the scenes, and they told me, no, Dickie can be a dink when he wants to be. Like he can get mad. He can he he his hauled guys in and feed on the under uh, you know on the fire type of thing. So let me. Let me ask you this are you too nice of a guy do you get pushed over a bit and is that way off base from maybe the way that it actually is well i don't i don't think um i don't think you can ever be too nice but i do think there can be a perception out there michael that uh that you go easy on the guys that you're not as demanding as you should be and i i uh i recognize that and i i i would say that's not accurate but i think it's also important to, to reinforce that, you know, any chance I get, you know, I think uh, at some points, you know, especially this last year, I tried my darndest to protect the team. I felt like the media was really hard on them. And I was trying to, trying to basically like the old saying, when the me- when you're doing well, you're hard on your team. When you're struggling, you got to go a little easier on them because everybody else in the outside world is going hard on them. So that's part of the reason I was the way I was as this season unfolded. I felt like they were getting really just getting crushed in the media and in the public opinion. And I felt like I needed to give them, give them love. But here's the truth of the matter. Football pro football is still about winning and accountability. And sometimes you got to be a jerk. Sometimes you got to be an a-hole. If, if, if that's what you need to do to get the most out of your team, the most out of your coaches, and make sure that the players are doing what they need to be. And so that's one of the lessons I will take moving forward. I don't think you have to be it in public, but boy, behind closed doors, you got to make sure the players understand it's about winning and being accountable for what you do. And if you're not doing that, there needs to be action and there needs to be consequences and you need to be able to hold your ground on that. Yeah. And here's one thing that got brought up coach. I'll bring it right up to you right here so we can address it. When the, when the Nick Marshall thing went down behind the scenes and he said, you know, coach is saying something behind the scenes that he's not saying to the public. Um, other coaches may have uh, had a, a terser response in the media. And, and, and I, you got to be who you are. You got to be who you are. Cause you'll lose a locker room. If you're a fake Craig Dick, Okay, we we both know that, but like you know, I guess it's perceived in the public. Well, coach came out and he said he kind of apologized on the air and said, you know, he maybe like like you address things differently in public going forward, maybe. Uh, Maybe a little bit. What I will do is be a little less negative immediately after a game because that I think that's important to, to try to stay positive. But you know what, actions speak louder than words, and I I think what you have to have to do and again I'm learning on the job as well and, and getting better hopefully each week is the players gotta know, you know. I, I've always felt like the best way to get the most out of players is to have somebody just about as good as them right behind them. And I think at times this year we got a little comfortable and I think I think when I did come down hard on them like I did after the Edmonton game because I knew after that our chances of making the playoffs were a lot less because it just got that much harder. I think when I do come down hard on them, I, you know, 
there has to be uh, there has to be some uh, some accountability and that the fact that they're not getting it done. What's our answer? Do we have somebody else that plays instead of them? Do we chew them out a little bit harder? You know, um, at the same time, you got to put a good team out there. But I think more importantly than that, you got to have a standard within your own uh, locker room that if guys aren't performing to that standard, they don't play. And um, I think moving forward, that's something we're going to work on. All right, Coach, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, how things uh, might uh, look going forward, uh, provided we're going on the, on the, uh, on the uh, assumption that you are coming back. So we're going to talk about that, and I want to get your thoughts on some of the players this year. This is Coach Craig Dickinson taking some of your texts, too, at 936-6262, the Coaches Show for McDougal Auctioneers on 620. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Taking your text for Coach Craig Dickinson at 936-6262. This show is brought to you by our good friends over there at Andrew Sherrod Limited. And I just want to give them their proper shout-out, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. Coach is taking your texts all year, so we like that about him. This from Dave. Dave said, hey, I'm enjoying the conversation with Coach uh, like I do each Monday, but... But, uh, Coach, uh, Dave wants to know, when will you know your future? Have you been told at a certain time of the week or down the road? When do you know so you could start making plans? I think I'll know probably in the next day or two, Dave. I mean, it's uh, I know they're meeting right now. I know they've met, uh, they met a little bit with the board uh, yesterday. I, I think here in the next 24 hours, I should know uh, what's going on and allow me to start making some decisions with the staff. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to go with this, Coach, because here's an interesting thing. you The staff was not like, and I'm not saying you don't like your staff, but when Chris Jones left here in February of 2019, uh, you came in late as the coach and he had all the guys signed up, so you went with the staff. You, you guys rolled to a great season. You, you have a home playoff game and almost get to the Grey Cup. Nobody was mad then. Uh, then, then COVID hits. That's nobody's fault. You, you did make a change with Jason Moss, and then it's just been kind of the same. So when, when it's said to you, Craig, you're back for another year, then what does the process look like for you? Well, I, got, I will go and, and look at, you know, all three, three phases of the team, you know, the special teams, the defense, and the offense. And I don't want to make any, any rash judgments, and, and I really do have a lot of respect and, um, and, uh, and I care for the guys on the staff. I don't, I don't think we I've been on a harder working staff in, in all my years of coaching, but the reality is we weren't good enough in some areas and we got to figure out why. And so, um, I'll have to look at that long and hard. I'll visit with some people and visit with the coaches themselves and find out, you know, what could we have done better? Is there a plan and, and how are we going to improve? Because, we all know we, we cannot have uh, a repeat season like we had this year. We've got to do better, and we got to. It's got to start uh, immediately. The process. Coach Vince wants to know Vince from uh, from Regina. Pardon me, Coach. Do you feel like you handled the discipline issues well this season? We took plenty of bad penalties after the whistle. You know, I, I could have done a little better job on the discipline, and I think that starts with accountability. That's the one thing I'm going to really work hard on next year is we've got to have accountability in everything we do. And I think when you do that, I think when you do that, it carries over to on the field. You know, I've got to continue to work on, on pushing this team to play with an edge and to push the line. You know, the first year we were here, they, 
they, uh, you know, they talked about us like we were the Oakland Raiders of the CFL, and we were pretty darn good, and we we hammered people pretty darn good in in terms of of the physicality. And I still want that because I still feel like that's the way you win games in pro football. But we've got to figure out a way to to cut down on the decision making that they cost us, you know, with selfish penalties. And I think the idea of team above self still got to be at the forefront because when when players are making decisions and they're basing them on the the best interests of the team, I think you get less of those sort of penalties. So I got my work cut out, but that's something I'm going to work work long and hard at trying to correct. Okay, Coach. So when you say accountability, would it be maybe sending a message and cutting somebody that, you know, maybe you don't want to cut, but you got to send a message? Sometimes, sometimes there has to be some friendly fire, so to speak. Possibly, yeah. I think accountability... Uh, to me, it means, and I had a great meeting with the staff this morning, and they, and they really, you know, they really, uh, uh, you know, kind of vented on what they felt went wrong in the year, and that was one of the issues. They felt like we didn't have great accountability from from our stars, from some of the guys we paid a lot of money to. So, it, it's basically going to be down to this: do what you're supposed to do, and and uh, and you know, produce when you're out there, and make sure you're you're taking care of yourself and, and uh, putting the team first. And if you're not doing that, there has to be some consequences. And I'm, I'm not running a boarding school or, or anything like that. This is a pro football team. But I think when you set, set the tone and you say this is what the standard is and you hold to that standard, I think guys figure it out. Yeah. Uh, you may lose a couple games early because you may have to sit a guy. You may have to suspend a guy. You may have to take away some play time. But I think eventually – the wins will start adding up, and I think at least at that point now you've set set your standard for what what it means to wear the green and white. And, and if you do it a certain way, you're going to play, and if you don't, you won't. Coach, I'm going to ask you this question because I have to as a professional. You can answer it the way you want. I think you're probably – I think I know how the answer is going to go. But it was a real head-scratcher to me. Truth be told, I said it on the broadcast. I, I wasn't quite sure why Cody Fajardo was there. You kind of know what you have in him. Mason Fine was starting. He was starting again. Uh, why not Jake Dolagala just to see? or Just can you explain that as best you can? Yeah, I don't have a great answer for you. <clears throat> Excuse me on that one, Michael. I'll just say this. We felt like uh, the two quarterbacks that gave us our best chance was Mason and Cody running the short yardage, and we didn't get to a lot of short yardage, unfortunately. We didn't have uh, room to dress all three because we dressed in that extra global that we wanted to see in 52, Jordan. And... um so that's why it was what it was. We we did talk about it as a staff, and I did talk about it with J.O., but ultimately it just came down to the fact we wanted to dress two globals, so by doing that, we couldn't dress a third quarterback, so we went with the same two that we went with the week before. Okay, say Frank sends in a text at 936-6262. He was wondering the mentality on not dressing three quarterbacks the whole year. You looked at Edmonton, they had three. Uh, you looked at BC, they had three. Even your brother uh, Dave ran three in Calgary. Just your thoughts or the mentality behind not dressing three during the year. Yeah, well, we felt like we needed the depth on special teams. And the reality is when you just dress that third quarterback, he's taking a Canadian spot or a global spot. And we we didn't have great depth on special teams all year. We were trying to dress uh, heavy on the D-line, and we dressed heavy on the O-line the last four games of the year. So it basically just came down to we don't play three quarterbacks. Our short yardage quarterback is Cody Fajardo, who was our one. 
Um, so it, it became a redundancy. Most of the teams that dress three, their third quarterback is that short yardage quarterback. Winnipeg, for example, Calgary, for example. And we just felt like it was a redundancy. Coach, uh, in this league, they say you probably need two quarterbacks to get you through the year. From what I saw from the broadcast booth with Mason Fine, he looks like he's got more than enough for a capable arm. If he's given time to throw like any quarterback, uh, he, he looks like he's got good pocket presence, can get the ball out. Like, I think he's a solid pro. I don't know that he's a starter. I don't know that I put my franchise around him, but he definitely could come in for two or three games if I needed him, which is the definition of a backup. How do you feel from what you've seen? Well, I thought he played well, too. I, I think we need to see more before we decide if he's a starter, for sure. Um, but I thought I, I would agree with your assessment. I think he can he can help you win. Now, next year, next year's next year, and we're going to have to figure out that's probably the, the biggest, you know, question in, the, in our organization right now is who do we want at quarterback, who's out there, and who do we feel like is the best fit for our team. And that, that's going to be the million-dollar question this offseason, and um, you know that'll be something we'll we'll talk about, and that'll be one of our our main things that we we talk about and what we do this off season between Jeremy and I. You kind of addressed this at your garbage bag interview, but I'll do it here in this form. Do you, Cody says the organization gave up on him. Do you feel like you guys gave up on Cody Fajardo? No, I don't. But I can understand how he feels that way. I mean, it's an emotional uh, game, and when you're the guy the whole year, and really for three years. Uh, that would be tough to take, and we knew it would be, you know. But at the same time, we made the decision based on what we felt was best for the organization, best for the team, and uh, I don't believe we gave up on them. But we did make a change, and uh, we wanted to see what we have, and, and we did it for the right reasons. Coach, I got to say this, man. Are you on the sideline? We, we witnessed just about everything this year, some great stuff and some really bad stuff. How in the heck does a six foot five quarterback go off on a third and one wide and run for an eighty five yard touchdown whizzing right by your bench? Are you like going, oh. what else can happen? Like what happened on that play? Yeah, That's ridiculous. No, that was that was difficult to watch. He ran right in front of us too. We didn't set the edge. It, it was similar to what Rourke did early in the season yeah. against Edmonton. You know, these quarterbacks, you forget some of them are really fast and uh you know, we had a new player out there at the corner to the field. His job is to set the edge. He took he took the inside route, which was the easy way to do it, and he wasn't able to set the edge. And the quarterback, I think we underestimated his speed. I think we took bad angles, and the reality was he was faster than the guys chasing him. So that was kind of uh, a microcosm for our season. You know, we have him in short yardage. We got a chance to stop him. He gets out, and he doesn't just get out to get the first down ball. But he gets out, and he scores on us. So, that was just uh, that was another one of those plays. You just shake your head and you hopefully learn from it and try to make corrections going forward. Okay, lastly, you be my playoff analyst here, okay? Uh, BC Calgary, who do you got in that contest? Take your brother out of it. Who do you? Oh boy. B- BC's yeah. at home and they got a big crowd. They're even opening up the upstairs there. You know, I think BC. It all depends on how healthy Rourke is and how well he plays. I think if he plays well, he's he's the X factor for them. I think he's. He's a dynamic football player that makes them a whole lot better when he's playing well. That being said, I don't know if any team's running the ball better than Calgary is right now. They're very good up front on both sides of the football. And I think in in, uh, in cold-weather games, when it starts to get cold, I think that's what wins game. Now, this one will be played indoors. So 
Who knows? But if you had to ask me, I'm thinking Calgary in this one. I think they're going to control the line of scrimmage, and I think they'll win a close game at BC Place. Well, Hamilton, uh, I don't know if I'd say they got hot, but they won the games they needed to at the end of the, end of the year to get into the playoffs against Montreal. What do you see in that East semifinal matchup? I think that's a good one. Hamilton's hot right now, and I think you know the upgrades they made on the old line they got bigger and healthier. Uh, they got this big running back now who, who can just pound the ball. But I think I think Montreal's defensive line, as long as they're healthy, I think they'll be good enough to to control the run game. And I would pick Montreal at home in another close one, low scoring, close game. Coach, I really appreciate your time all season, and we'll talk to you uh, soon. And hoping to talk to you as the uh, continuing as the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, that sounds great to me, Balls. Appreciate the appreciate the chat. Take care. That's Coach Craig Dickinson for McDougal Auctioneers. And I truly mean that. I truly mean that. You want to know my opinion? People have asked me my opinion. I'll tell you my opinion right now. I've been around to watch a lot of crappy football, like Jim Hobson has said. And I believe this organization needs to take a step back, take a breath. And I know fans are mad, but like uh, the guy from Newdorf said, back in 2018, Mike O'Shea had to win one game here at Old Taylor Field, I think it was. Or maybe it was here, I forget, but it was like, he's better win or he's done, and he won, and now he's the greatest thing and can write his next contract as big as he wants within CFL budgetary parameters. Like, this is... It's interesting. It's very interesting. The teams, like uh, Blaine from Newdorf said, the teams at the top have consistency. Huffnagel Dickinson, O'Shea Walters, Wade Miller, Orlando Steinauer in Hamilton. Um, it's been a bad year. They could do a lot better than they did. But can you afford to buy out all these contracts or do you give them one more year? They'll be kind of quote-unquote lame ducks without a contract. You're rolling the dice. But I'll tell you what, uh, you uh, you um, maybe give them a chance to do a do-over. But they have to do a heck of a lot better than they did this year. From coach's perspective, Jeremy O'Day needs to find some linemen on both sides of the ball. So I'm not an advocate for blowing it up, but there better be some marked improvements. Who's your quarterback going to be? Your lineman, that's where you put your money into. Can they sell that to the folks? I don't know. That's just my thoughts. We'll take a break. Be back with Glenn Suter in a moment on 620. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out. Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. We got suits for one uh, quick segment here. First, I got a text. Uh, Gerald, I'm a 40-year rider season ticket holder. I believe that Craig Dickinson has to go. The riders will go nowhere with him at the helm. Too many questionable decisions this year. Suits, I watched that game. You watched that game. We were both there. I don't care who's on the sideline. John Gregory, Ken Austin, Wally Buono. You're not doing much more than Craig Dickinson did with that lineup, especially on the offensive line. Well, if any one of those coaches you just named could stop the run, then they could have helped. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's... You're 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 bang on right there. No, um, you know, really, I I I've been listening in all day, and uh, you know, it's a good show. It's great to hear Jim Hobson and 
that he is uh, fighting the fight against cancer and, and had some great insights on your show earlier today, uh, you know, from being in that position. And, and really, you know, what I got from it all was taking the emotion out of this discussion. You, you really have to, because right now, you know, there's so many in the fan base that are really emotional and I get that. That's what fans do. You know, that's, I'm, I'm not saying dismiss them or, or ignore them. I'm saying you have to listen and you have to hear and, and see what the fans want and need from your organization. But um, you have to, I think, as anyone in those key positions, Craig Reynolds, J- Jeremy O'Day, Craig Dickinson, take the emotion out. And Coach sounded like he has. I mean, it, it, it really it did sound today throughout the entire show that that's what's going on right now. So then to me you quickly go to simplification. Okay, so no emotion. Uh, What was our issues this year? Why were we a six-win football team? And let's just take one, let's just spitball for one, you know, just one of of the most uh, maybe prominent issues that they had, and that was the discipline. And so, you know, I tried to break that down without emotion involved. Just, Just look at the too many penalties. So, did the coaching staff do enough to curve that behavior? I would say they pounded the message from day one, probably going back to last year through training camp and day one, pounded the message. But if we're being honest and the coaches look in the mirror, which every one of these guys is going to have to do, they would probably say they may have waited too long to make some decisions. They, not talking about Garrett Marino. Yeah, they threatened to take away the cell phone from the kid, but they never did. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so that's a look in the mirror moment for could we have done more? But they did, and I'll give them full credit for this. You and I both know Craig Dickinson pounded the message home, and there were some players that weren't listening or weren't hearing it. So. When you have too many penalties, and again, this is, this is simplifying one of the main issues for this team this year. When you have too many penalties, there's a few reasons for that. Either you're not good enough, so you're grabbing and you're fighting and you're, you know, you're, you're trash talking when you're not, your technique is not good enough to play at this level. So you're going to get a lot of holding calls, a lot of PI, a lot of hand to the face, a lot of face masking because you're, you're sloppy. You're not a you're not a disciplined football player. So that's that's a reason for a personnel change. Either that, or you don't understand. We always talk about football IQs. If if a player does not understand the ramifications of a 15 yard penalty that occurs after the whistle has been blown, then that's a, a player that doesn't have the football IQ to play at the pro level. So that's another personnel decision. And then the final one is, really, does that player care? Is his personal agenda more important than the team goal? And, and I heard Coach Dickinson, you know, talk about that and that, you know, he's looking into that. And so just taking that, simplifying that one issue of discipline, breaking it down and saying these three things occurred or these three things are the reason for a player taking too many penalties, especially ones after the whistle. Um, and that, and those those adjustments have to be made. I mean, yeah, those are yeah. personnel adjustments that have to be well, made. Well, that's it. You hit the nail right in the head. In my opinion, watching this whole season from the broadcast booth, we're not good enough. We're not good enough in various, in a, in a couple of big areas. You, If you can't stop the run and you can't protect your quarterback, you're dead. 
and that and and that's it. They aren't good enough. They're not good enough. It's a I, it's more personnel than coaching. It doesn't mean coaching gets off the hook, but it's more personnel than coaching because you can't get yeah. stupid from 2019 when you're the talk of the world as the coach who comes in late and then you take your team again to the West Final after a uh, injury ravaged preseason with five Achilles and then all of a sudden you become stupid overnight. You can't. And I'm not saying that because no. we know each other. The personnel was not good. Yeah, no, and and so Jeremy O'Day has to look in the mirror as well because that's where he comes in. And and I think Coach referred to or talked about, um, I, he didn't say it as a lack of depth, but he said it as part of the, part of the process to, to curve the behavior when it comes to bad penalties is to have a guy behind the starter that's just as good and is ready to play immediately. And if that guy doesn't exist, then the coach is now forced to play the player that is making bad decision after bad decision. And now he's kind of, his hands are tied because there is nobody else or nobody that's ready to step in and play at this level. So he's forced to do that. That's where Jeremy O'Day has to take some of this accountability and say, did he have enough depth in the roster on the O-line or in the receiving core so if a guy got out of hand and the coach had to come down really hard on him, could he could he replace him with a, with somebody else? So so there there's a you know a couple of things there. Clearly, and coach mentioned this as well. Clearly, the team has got they're going in another direction at quarterback, the most important position on the field. Yeah, you heard and that there. Here's yeah. What I'll, yeah, and here's what I'll say too, Ballsy, before we have to go because I know we got a short segment today, but yeah. if. It, and I just, I, I'm sort of not, I'm not, you know, the Saskatchewan fans are the best across the country. Saskatchewan and Winnipeg have the best fans in the country. So, you know, I understand their frustration. But what I would, I would say to them is think of this as it doesn't have to be extremes. It doesn't have to be get rid of all of them. And it doesn't have to be status quo. I believe something has got to be shaken up in there. I, I think most people think that um, from the outside looking in, but that doesn't mean cleaning house. That can mean adjustments on the staff, um, you know, changes, you know, that are made within the coaching staff, maybe not necessarily the head coach. If you change the head coach, well, then there will probably be changes on the staff anyway. Um, and I would just say to the fans, it doesn't have to be extreme because if you get rid of Craig Reynolds, Jeremy O'Day, and Craig Dickinson, that that starting from scratch moment is going to feel pretty empty, and you don't have much time to fill all those spots, get your team ready, get ready for the draft, get ready for, you know, I, I, I think that may be too many steps backwards. So find some happy medium in there, simplify, take the emotion out, Figure out the exact reasons for a six-win season and and make sure your plan of action going forward. As Jim Hobson mentioned, what a great point he made that the head coach has got to walk in with a plan of action. And yeah. I hope Craig Dickinson did that. And so does Jeremy O'Day with a, you know, a, a 20-page you know, report saying, here is my plan moving forward. And if you don't like it, then... I get it. I'll walk. I'll go on with my life. But that's my plan. This is what I'm going to do. I, I can't wait to hear that plan from all those guys. Glenn, tomorrow we'll tee up the West semifinal. Should be a good one, BC and Calgary. Thanks for your time, buddy.
Thanks, Michael. Take care. That's Glenn Suter, press coverage. When we come back, garbage bag day yesterday. We'll hear from a couple of the guys. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Like Val, she says, today's sports cage is a therapy session I needed. Exactly my thoughts. Jim Hobson's inside, and I love Coach Craig Dickens and hope he's back. Always a good show. Uh, the real balls, he keep bringing the good stuff. We're trying to. Hey, Cody Fajardo met with the media garbage bag day yesterday. Here's what he had to say. The way the season played out was a little sickening for me and a little frustrating after giving everything I had for three years, and I, I just felt like the organi- organization just kind of moved on from me. And uh, and for me, that was a little emotional, but um, I was there for Mason, and I did everything I can uh, being a backup. And so uh, I'm not ruling anything out, and I would love to uh, play another game in, in the green and white, but uh, that's not up to me that's obviously up to management um, but we'll see how this offseason goes it, it'll be a very interesting one that's for sure Cody, the way that this offseason ended for you is this the most motivated that you've been heading into the offseason I'm motivated every year um, 2019 I hit a goal post where one one play away from the Grey Cup last year we lost uh, another West final game that I thought we, we had a chance to win uh, and then not not making the playoffs here and being benched late in the year um, you know it seems like every offseason when you don't win the Grey Cup you're motivated and I've been an under dog my entire career uh, starting in high school to, to now and so I'll, I'll always be motivated but um, yeah you anytime you end a year where you're not the starter and you start as the starter there is a, a little bit of added motivation just to try to prove to the outside that uh, you can still play this game I know I can win football games in this league and I've done it and I know I can play at a high level um, and, and I'm, I'm just excited for the opportunities ahead and I don't know what what exactly those are this will be my first time kind of feeling out the free agency um, as, a, as a as a starting quarterback going into it. Usually I'm a day two, day three, day four guy uh, as a backup when I went into uh, free agency. So this year hopefully is a little bit different and there's some excitement and uh, and I'm looking forward to what's ahead. Cody, you said you could write a book with what happened in 2022. So what did happen? (laughs) I don't think it's the time or place here. And plus, you guys got to buy my book when I get there. (laughs) I'm a businessman and uh, I'm looking forward to making that money. But uh, yeah, there's a lot that went on in this locker room and and these guys, they they never broke and, and we stuck together through it all. There's a lot of teams that would have broke with some of the stuff that we went through uh, mentally, physically, um, playing through injuries, playing through a lot of tragedy. We've had guys lose family members uh, on the team and you know no one really talks about that and playing through stuff like that. So um, there's a lot of inspiration to pull from our teammates and it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, you're going to look on this year and it's you're going to remember it forever. I wish I could forget it, but uh, you're going to remember it forever just because of all that went down. I think the Gary Marino thing have to do with what happened to this Rough Riders? Love you, Cody. <laughs> Thanks, Shaq. It seemed to be the point of the season where you guys were four and one, you're rolling, and then this I don't know exactly Yeah, if, if it was that, but uh, I will say the COVID incident was a little bit more impactful for us. Um, we had a huge game against Toronto and we got decimated by the COVID. And uh, I think if we have a chance where we get to play a full roster and, and we win that game, it might have been a little bit different. At least at the end of the year, we wouldn't have been playing this got to win here and this team's got to lose. So I think it was more of that COVID. It was like two weeks in a row. And, you know, Jake got the start and we didn't even have enough players to have multiple packages. We had one formation, one package that we can go, and we were pretty much handicapped on offense and did everything we could to be in that game, um, but I really think that was uh, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back or started the downturn of, of what happened. This one seemed to be the only team that has a starting job available. Where do you, where do you see your landing spots in this league? Uh, you know, I don't know yet. Um, that's what my agent's hopefully going to find out. Um, like I said, I'm not going to
going to rule this place out because I would love to come back and play here. And, you know, I've received probably over a thousand uh, emails, texts, uh, direct messages of fans that were, you know, reaching out to me and wanting me back. And um, like I said, that's not my decision. If it's uh, up on the table and it's a good fit, I, I think um, I would love to finish my career. And I told you guys that after 2019, I would have loved to play here my entire career. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen in a results driven business where you don't win games. But um, it's uh, it's just very sad when you've given everything you've had for three years and you just kind of got given up on uh, for the last two games. And, and like I told you guys before, I wish I would have went down with the ship and went down these last two games. And then whatever happens after that happens after that. But the fact that I didn't get to play those last two games really hurt me. Uh, and it was really emotional for me. But um, it's a tough spot to be in because here you are, one of your best friends on a team gets an opportunity to start and uh, you get demoted. So it's, it's a rock and a hard place, uh, so to speak. Four and one start. What happened? Yeah, I don't know. We've, we've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. We had a lot of changing parts on, on our offense um, defensively as well. We, uh, I think we got bit by a couple bugs, including the stu- stomach flu. Um, really, our, our best game, Labor Day, you know, comes down to a tip pick. And I think if we win that football game, it, it might be a different season, at least a little bit more momentum going in the next week. But losing a tough one like that and then having the bug, the stomach bug the next week. And uh, after that, it just was kind of like we were playing catch up. And so 4-1 and one was a great start. Everyone was excited, I, and myself included. Um, but uh, you never know, and that's what's the crazy thing. You wake up every morning, and you never know what the day has for you. And uh, a lot of us went through some difficult times, and uh, the fans stuck with us through the end, and it was nice to hear them cheering in that last home game. I went out for, um, the, it was Fan Appreciation Day. I went out, and there was, had to be 500 to 1,000 people out there um, just excited to take pictures with us, to sign, have us sign autographs. And that's the stuff I'll remember. And if I don't get back to the uh, being in the green and white, it's the little kids coming up to you saying that you're their favorite player. It's the parents reaching out saying you're a great role model for their kids. And, you know, when I, when I first signed my professional contract with the Oakland Raiders, I told myself I wanted to be remembered more for the guy outside of the helmet than the guy inside the helmet. And uh, and I hope I did that in, in with my time here. And I don't think my time's done. I told you guys that two weeks ago. I really don't think the book's over. I just think it might be an end of a chapter. But you never know. There's a lot of crazy things that happen in the CFL. And there's a, there's a possibility that I am back. And I would love to be in the green and white. But but um, there's a lot of rumors out there that uh, that has me going somewhere else. Yeah, let me settle it here. First of all, Cody's a good guy. Cody is a good man. He's a good husband, and he's going to be a great father. And he's done lots of great things in the community, and he's a pretty good football player. Showed it in 2019 to a lesser extent in 2021, and this was a dumpster fire on offense right from the get-go. And Cody, in fairness to him, he can't be the only scapegoat. Uh, he didn't get a lot of time to throw in a lot of situations. Then he was punch drunk and, uh, you know, banged around like a pinata. So he had some happy feet, as we like to say, saw ghosts. So he, he, um, he played into some of those sacks himself. But, I mean, when Mason Fine went in there, he was sacked too. But that interview there is exactly why Cody Fajardo cannot come back as quarterback of the Rough Riders. He cannot handle the heat in Saskatchewan. You have to be a different kind of guy to be the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Like Ken Austin. Arrogant. He didn't care what the fans thought. He he forced his way out, then came back here as a coach. He doesn't care what the fans think. And he and and he plays with that arrogance. Darian Durant, same thing. He kind of cared what the fans thought, but didn't really let on. Uh, Kept to himself, was a tough quarterback, vented behind the scenes. He didn't do it in public. 
He didn't call out receivers on the field. He didn't say, well, we hit a goalpost and there was a missed blocks. And No, no. You When you get the money, you get the glory and you get the negativity and you have to take it. Cody can't do that here. Cody Fajardo is done in Saskatchewan. He's done. He'll go somewhere else. He'll make some good money. He'll be a good backup quarterback that can come off the bench and help a team. He might even come back and beat the Riders once or twice. He's a good player, so let's not kid ourselves. Will he be Zach Kalaros? No. Going forward, there's only one solution in Saskatchewan. If his arm, his shoulder is right, Bo Levi Mitchell is the quarterback here. He's the only guy that can sell tickets. You bring Bo Levi Mitchell in here. If you like Mason, fine. You bring him back to camp. They just signed another guy, Levi Smith, who was here with the Riders uh, in August. So Levi Smith, I think he's a left-handed quarterback. They also re-signed uh, Aaron Jones' brother, Alvin Jones Jr., the um, the uh, linebacker, Aaron Jones, the running back for the Green Bay Packers. But you bring Mason Fine, let him compete. He's going to be a backup. He's not going to be a starter. He's not ready to be a starter yet. But he is competent. He showed me he can be a pro. Bo Levi Mitchell's your quarterback. And then you bring in, you got to sell tickets. You got to get fans to come back. You bring in Mason Nias and let him compete for the starting quarter or for the, for a quarterback position. And I'm not just saying third string. Let him compete for two. He's the same stature, actually sturdier than Mason Fine, has the same first name. He has as strong an arm, if not stronger. Let him compete. Let him go at it. Sell some tickets. Think outside the box. The kid is worthy of a shot. He's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner in Canada, the Heckrighton Trophy winner. If he's not an inquiry, should be held. That's what you do. That's how you solve it here in Saskatchewan. There's nobody else. Take Vernon Adams. Not Vernon Adams. Vernon. Get out of here, Vernon Adams. Cody can't come back. Who else are you getting in here? It's Bo Levi Mitchell or Bo or Bust if he's healthy. But you better get some damn offensive linemen. Get some linemen. You gotta beef up those lines. This is the Sports Cage on 620. I love the smell of my pump in the morning. This is where the fun begins. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And a great night of sports. Three NHL games. Red Wings and Sabres are tied at one in the second. Capitals at the Hurricanes. Hurricanes have a one nothing lead. Still to come tonight, St. Louis hosting the LA Kings. Monday night football. It's appropriate. Both teams are wearing orange here on Halloween evening. The Cincinnati Bengals in Cleveland to take on the Browns. Bengals are four and three. Browns are two and five. Got to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. In the World Series in Philadelphia, tied at one. Astros and the Phillies, but they were. It was raining. Saw Hazel May doing her hit for Sportsnet on the field. It was raining because it's stupid to be playing baseball at the end of October into November like crazy. But what do I know? Anyway, this show is brought to you by our good friends over there at Andrew Sherrod Limited. And we want to tell you that they're supplying um, plumbing and HVAC. I got to get to the right thing. Hold on a second here. We got to. 
we got to do this right. I'm sorry, folks. Not very professional of me, I know, but uh, you don't expect professionalism from Ballsy, do you? It's brought to you by Andrew Share Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. For the 54th year in a row, it's crappy on Halloween. It's a crappy night on Halloween. I have said this for years. Bump it up a month. Why can't we do it September 30th? California, Florida, Texas, Vancouver. They're all wearing the costumes the parents paid 80 bucks for. Here we got to put them underneath a parka or a, some sort of rain gear. Give me a break. Move it up a month. Move Halloween in Saskatchewan up a month. We're not going to move the time, but move Halloween up. Who's with me? 936-6262. All those parents that have to drag their kids through the rain right now, probably worse than snow. You know, I want to have a cup of su- sip a couple wobbly pops in my Yeti and walk around. Come on. By the way, inflation has really hit us hard. We know that. These are the things you can give trick-or-treaters if you're too broke to afford candy from the sports cage. You know those uh, those crappy toothbrushes the dentists give you? Give them that. How about mulch? What about Tide Pods? Kids like those back in the day. What about milk bones? You can hand out Nana's ashes if you want. The barbecue sauce packets from Arby's. You got a bunch of those in your back seat. Just go out, put them in the put them in the candy dish, throw them out when the kids come around. Broken power tools. You'll find a few of those in your garage. And the top thing you can give trick-or-treaters if you're too broke to afford candy. Your Cody Fajardo jersey. You won't need that next year. All right. Let's get to Regina Thunder football talk. Rylan Likert had a big game helping the Regina Thunder to a PFC championship. That's right. They're going on now to the Canadian Bowl November 12th at Mosaic Stadium against the Okanagan Sun because they beat the Hilltops yesterday 39-21. You know, it feels amazing. Uh, this team is putting the work to get here. Uh, we executed. We uh, kept our composure throughout the game. So to get this win means everything for us and this organization. Talk about bouncing back after giving up that first touchdown uh, to the resiliency. And as well, coming back in the second half when uh, the, uh, the Hilltops are coming back with a charge in the third quarter as well. You know, we know that the Hilltops are never going to uh, give up a game. And no matter how much they're down, you know, they're going to play physical. So we just understood that, you know, if they can get momentum, why can't we, right? And uh, no excuses. We uh, focused on the next play, didn't focus on what was behind us and uh, good things come when you do that it seems like your team is very uh it could, it could beat any team in, in many different ways last week obviously yourself in the running game it seems like today in offense it was a mix of both passing and running you know i think that's one of the reasons why offense offense succeeds you know we have a lot of weapons and our offensive coordinator stefan Edson, he uses them you know in certain ways that allows them to succeed. So just the amount of weapons we have, our versatility allows us to be successful. Talk about when you're carrying that ball in the fourth quarter and you had it in the back of your mind, it was getting closer and closer, you guys are going to get the win today. Yeah, you know, I uh, I didn't want to get too caught up on how close the game was to being over because I knew uh, one play can change the momentum of a game, so I was just focused on the next drive, but I definitely was looking up at the scoreboard, getting a little anxious, waiting for it to tick down, especially when we were ahead, so it's just a great feeling. When do you think this uh, is going to sink in, the fact that you guys accomplished your goal this 
season. You know, I think when we're in the locker room, I'm going to look around at all my brothers. It's, it's going to be emotional, and we're going to have a lot of emotional tears. It's going to be amazing. I think that's probably when. Did, did last year's loss make this win much more severe? The fact you guys came back and came back this season with the victory in the end, beating the Hilltops three times as well. Absolutely. I mean, ever since we lost that game last year, this was our goal. It was to, you know, we built a great, a great start to last year, got to where we were, and this year's about improving and getting that better. So we've had that goal in the back of our minds all season, all off season. It uh, pushed me to train, it pushed me to play hard, and it definitely motivated us. You feel this is a franchise-altering win that, you know, that's going to impact not only your guys' team, but maybe the franchise for years to come. Absolutely. I mean, you look at this organization, the coaches they have, the, the players coming up, it's uh, it's Regina Thunder's turn. Uh, now you guys get a week-long bye before you guys face the Okanagan Sun in the Canadian Bowl. Does the bye come at a good time for you guys? Absolutely, it does. You know, we, uh, we've we had some gritty games. The bodies are pretty beat up. We're going to rest up, get into film. Uh, job's not finished and get back to work. All right. Uh, that is Rylan Likert. The guy who helped uh, the Thunder go to the PFC Championship and win it 39-21 yesterday. Once again, they'll host the Okanagan Sun in the Canadian Bowl November 12th at Mosaic Stadium. When we come back, we'll talk some Can West playoff football with Brian Doby, longtime coach of the Manitoba Bisons. They're getting set to take on Regina's Mason Nias, Regina's Riker Frank, Regina's Scott Flory and the U of S Huskies. Uh, by the way, we were supposed to hear from Aldo Galvin, but we've moved that interview to tomorrow, so you hear from the Rams punters. We continue our local football talk. This is the play to get your football talk CFL style and amateur football style right here on the Sports Cage. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Alright, welcome back to the show. We're going to wrap things up in fine style here, but first... I'm going to get to a couple of your texts. Lyle and Regina, I couldn't agree with you more, Ballsy. Bo Levi Mitchell still has gas in the tank and will be hungry to prove he can still play. And you know he wants to stay in the West. I've heard a couple of teams are kicking tires on him, one out West, one out East. Uh, haven't heard anything about the Riders, but a lot of people are hoping he comes here. I think that's where they got to look if he's healthy. And you know that Coach Craig Dickinson, if he stays here, his brother isn't going to screw him. He'll say, listen, he's good, he's not good. You'd think they're that tight that he's not going to screw his brother. He'd say, listen, uh, don't touch him. Or, yeah, we just... Because you look at it, they've got comparable stats. Jake Mayer and Bo Levi Mitchell, as Luke said in our broadcast. But one guy is uh, younger, and the other guy maybe priced himself out. That's why Calgary's moving on. I still think Bo might have something to say in the playoffs here to help Calgary. Uh, I got this from Hal. How about uh, Stetson Bennett? He's the Georgia quarterback. He's too small for the NFL. Uh, what are your thoughts on him coming to Saskatchewan? Well, I know he was on their neg list in 2021. I didn't see him on their current neg list, so I don't know if he's on a team's neg list. I will say this. Just because you're good in NCAA football doesn't mean you're comp- come up to Canada and be good. So I don't know that he's, you know, bring him to camp, I guess. It's a wide open. That's a wide open position for the Riders headed into 2023. So there's no real wrong answer. But just because he is playing uh, NCAA doesn't mean that he's a lock to be the uh, quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Seth Dagey, uh, Homer Jordan's been up here, Turner Gill, uh, Johnny Manziel, Vince Young. Can I stop or do I keep going? There's a lot that haven't made it. But like guys from FCS schools like Eastern Washington, Bo Levi Mitchell, Dave Dickinson from Montana, those kind of quarterbacks seem to make it. Jake Mayer, another guy. All right. Um, 
We have uh, some playoff action coming up in the Can West, and let's get to that now. Let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. All right, wrapping the show up in fine style, talking some Can West playoff football with longtime Manitoba Bisons coach Brian Doby. It's always fun this time of year, isn't it? Doesn't get old for a guy like for an old dog like you that's been around a long time. You still get the juices going, I'm assuming. That's why you're still coaching. Yeah, for sure, and and you're right. It doesn't get old. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're you're everybody's always chasing it, uh, you know, and and to have an opportunity to keep it going in the playoffs. Yeah, this is the opposite of getting old. It's it's it keeps you young. So yeah, uh, yeah we're excited that we're in. Yeah, and uh, talk about last week's win over the Rams. It was a playoff like game because you had to win to get into the playoffs. So that should get you in the right frame of mind. Give you, a, I would think, uh, you know. The Huskies are great, but that kind of gives you that mindset already going into that game. Without a doubt, we've uh, actually, it's been two weeks in a row. We were in a situation where we put ourselves in a pretty big hole and uh, the first part of the season. So we, so two weeks ago, we had to beat Alberta um, in order to just stay alive. Had Alberta beaten us uh, two weeks ago, we were, we were already eliminated. Um, and, uh, you know, but we we were losing at the half. We came back and and we won, and then it was on to Regina. It was the same situation. We had to win to get in. Uh, at that point, it was literally well, both games for us were playoff games. Again, we were losing at the half to the Rams, and and we came back and won. So, uh, yeah, by identical score, forty four thirty actually. Wow. So, um, so it does it. it we, yeah, we're already in um, a situation where. Um, they were absolute must wins. There was zero room for uh, failure or error, and uh, and we did it the tough way, losing at the half in both cases, but coming back. So it shows um, a real fight with our guys and a real resiliency. I, uh, I mean, and you need that when you're when you're in playoff situations. At least it gives you that 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 chance when you know you've got the intrinsics. You know, you look at all four teams that are in the playoffs here, Rams and UBC and, and you guys in the U.S. You could make a case, now some stronger than others, but you could make a case for any of these teams to win this weekend and win the conference. Like, the Rams have a great defense. Uh, you guys are just, like you said, resilient, pesky. you got a good quarterback. The the Huskies might have the heck Crichton guy right now at quarterback. They've got a good defense. And UBC, something about Blake Nill team they start slow but they find a way at the end wow you uh, you know what you honestly summed it up i think you you nailed every one of those four teams and and i think you're very accurate first of all i do agree i i mean we're all proud to be coaching and, and playing in canada west uh, you know the 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 best team in the country doesn't always come from canada west we know that last year it was western um but the best conference in the country, unquestionably, year in year out, is Canada West, and 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 even from the get go in training camp, I think everybody recognized that. Wow, this conference is really tight, I it, like really tight, and and there's no clear cut winner. Um, you know, sometimes there's just that monster team, but there's no clear cut winner. So everybody's got a shot, and and here we are now. Um, you know, going into the Cam West semifinals and. Yeah, for sure. Saskatchewan is the team to beat. They finished first. They've earned that. Um, but everybody does have a shot for a lot of the general reasons you cited. Um, yeah, we'll see how it all turns out. But, uh, yeah, going on the long bus ride on the, on the yeah. road to Saskatoon, been on it many times and sometimes not successful. But sometimes you pull that rabbit out of the hat and 
come home a winner um, in a playoff game. We've experienced that. So, hey, at this point, we're uh, we're the underdog and kind of loving it, actually. Yeah, no, that's right. And you know, uh, you're an underdog, and the Rams have come in this year, Brian Doby, and they're feeling like they're an underdog because in the coaches' poll at the start of the year, and I don't really give a crap about the polls, but the Rams do. They po- <laughs> they've posted that all year long. They were picked by the coaches, the fellow coaches, as sixth. Well, just a quick comment because we're in Regina here. Your thoughts on what you see from Mark McConkey and his coaching staff? I think they've got a really good coaching staff here in Regina. Let me tell you, uh, this isn't me being nice and noble. I'm telling you flat out after the game, Mark and I talked for, you know, probably seven or eight minutes. And I, 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 I'm breaking confidentiality. I mean, I, I, but I think it's deserved. So I hope I don't get fined by Canada West for, for spoiling the, the ballot here. But, uh, our, our ballots had to be in last night for all the voting for all stars and awards, et cetera. I, I voted for Mark McConkey and his staff. I think Mark uh, is is absolutely deserving of Coach of the Year and in our conference and and uh, maybe even uh, you know hopefully nationally. Uh, you're right. They you know they they lost tough games last year, but nobody cares about losing by a point or two um, when you're competing against them. They, we just know they lost and they were ranked by us by the coaches uh, to to finish last again. And, uh, and, and they didn't. They finished second in the conference and, and are now hosting a playoff game. Uh, they've done an incredible job. I think Sheldon Neal, I'm going to point Sheldon out, um, you know, their offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, their offensive line last year, uh, you shouldn't publicly criticize your, your opponents, but their offensive line was not very good. This year it's, it's very good. I think Sheldon um, has done such a great job. And and uh, Sheldon Gray, uh, you know, uh, their defensive coordinator. Uh, look at that defense. Uh, it's it's the best defense in the conference. Uh, toughest to run against. Uh, Saskatchewan's is very good as well. But Regina has earned the right to, to say flat out they've got the best defense in this conference. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, um, I can't say I'm rooting for the Rams, that's for sure, but I, I certainly can say I really respect what Mark and the staff have done this year, and and uh, yeah, they've, they've flat out earned it. Um, we have great respect for them from, from our staff with the Manitoba Bisons. Okay, and since this is a Regina show, I'm going to tie it in. The Regina boy is leading the U of S Huskies. I think if he doesn't get the Heck Crichton Trophy, there should be an inquiry. Mason Nias. But it's a cool little story because yeah. we got Nias up against Catelia. Those two guys, like they, they've been buddies for a long time, man. I, uh, I tell you what, CFL teams need to start looking more and more at some of these quarterbacks, especially coming out of the Can West. I agree. I agree. Ken, again, Ken West is where it's at. Um, you, you know, and you look at it, you're in, you're out. You know, guys are being produced, you know, in, into pro football and, and the competitiveness of the conference. And, and, and I love that you cited those two quarterbacks. Uh, Mason Nias absolutely deserves the, the heck Crichton. And, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I certainly, you know, uh, you know, don't know how it'll turn out, but I'll, I'll be shocked if he's not the Heck Crichton winner. Um, quite honestly, uh, he's had a great year again and again and again. I can't wait till he graduates. Uh, how 
and Des, you know, I'm telling you, he and he and Des could tell you, you know, you're right. They they developed a really, um, I think it's one of the real cool things about university sport. They developed such a great respect for each other. Uh, they get each other. They 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 know what each of them has done to you know to have the successes. Um, that they've had and moving down their path and they have great respect for each other. I, I, I you know, I, I just think that, it, it, I think it's a very cool thing. Um, and, and both have had, you know, really good years there. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, I think they're the top two mm-hmm. uh, passers in our conference and uh, they're going head to head right near the end of their careers. This is it for Daz. Uh, I sure hope it, it, it's the end of the road for, for Mason, too, so we don't have to keep facing him. Uh, but, but having said all that, uh, yeah, it should, it should be fun on Saturday afternoon for sure, both in Saskatoon and in Regina with UBC coming in to play the Rams. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's going to be great Canada West playoffs. Tell you what, man, this is one of the good guys in the league. He's been around a long time. He's a sly dog. Don't sleep on him and the Manitoba <laughs> Bison. Thanks for your time, Coach Toby. Appreciate it, Michael. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.